Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. We are in the series. Sean started last week on Christmas, and it's titled The Characters of Christmas. And I, I want to be clear, we're not saying that they are fictitious people. They're not calling them characters. But I do think, what I, what I was really hearing last week when Sean was talking was, was that we're talking about the different people of Christmas, like that you see in the story of Jesus's birth, okay? But beyond that, I also want you to take just the word character, and I think that that's really what Sean was talking a lot about last week, right? The story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, he was talking about their character, right? He was talking about their character. It's the character of the people who, was, who ushered in Jesus, and what they did to transform the world, right? And he talked a lot about Zacharias and Elizabeth last, last week where he was sharing how, you know, they, they had really struggled with not being able to have a child their entire marriage. You know, and, and if we think about, like, the scholars will say that in that era, the girls were getting married, they were being married they were engaged at 13 or 14, and they were married by 15, 16, because it took time for, like, you know, that's when they can have babies and they can live long. Like, life wasn't as long as it is today. There's a lot of other things, right? There was culture differences than they are in the American culture. And so these girls were getting married at, or engaged at 13, 14, married by 14, 15, 16, and having children and starting life. So you have Elizabeth who gets married at 14, 15 years old, right? And then from that moment on, she's expected to have children, lots and lots of children. What happens? She's now advanced in years, is what the Bible says. And that entire time, she hasn't had kids, right? And in that culture, when... You didn't have the promises of God show up in your life. Most people believed that you had a lifestyle of sin. So there's a scripture even in there that says that she was disgraced in front of her peers because they looked at her and they viewed her as somebody with sin. Do you remember the man who was blind from birth, who Jesus healed? They said, Jesus, you know, like, who, who sinned, him or his parents? That was their culture. So when this woman wasn't able to have children... In their culture, their perspective, it was that, that she was a sinner. She was sin. But what did the Bible say about her? It said that she was righteous and holy and blameless, right? So, so I want you guys to keep that in mind as we, as we talk about this, this next section, okay? But I do have a question for you in the middle of it. Now, this is where you guys are going to have to be a little bit vulnerable, okay? I have a very serious question to ask you. I need to know how many of you either read books or watch movies, and while you're in the middle of it, it's starting to get like a little bit suspenseful, and you're wondering what's going to happen, and so you're the cheater who stops it and goes to the back of the book, <laughs> reads the end of the book to see if they should read the middle. Who does this? Come on, confess. Who does this in the movie? <laughs> All right, see? For... <laughs> ah, okay, so this, 
this kills me. So there, I have been tempted to do this. I love to read. I've been tempted to go to the end of the story, but I refuse to because it's cheating. All right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing about the Bible. The Bible, we've all, like, we've all heard the story of Jesus and how he was born. Right? So we've already cheated. We know the story. We know what happens at the end. We know why he came. We know why it's good. Hey, bud, could you flip those up just a hair? Or otherwise, I will be blinded the entire time. Both of them. Um, and if you can still see out, that'd be great. But uh, yeah, thank you. Okay. We know what happened, right? We understand that, that Elizabeth, you know, got her miracle. Right? We understand she got her miracle. It happened later than she had probably wanted it to, but she got a miracle. We understand the beauty of Mary and what happened with Mary and who she was and who she became and how important of a role she played in stewarding the life of God, right? We understand all that. But I think that sometimes when we read through Luke and we read through the short story in Matthew about what happened in that process, we don't personalize them. We think of them like we see them today after their story has played out, right? But we don't think about what they were actually going through, okay? So so I'm going to keep talking about Elizabeth for just a minute. Even though she only has a few tiny verses in the Bible, I really feel like her life, her character was important for us to see because Sean talked a lot about, about the fact that, you know, they struggled. Their life, like there was, there was hard stuff, in their life, that they were really struggling with their entire time, but they continued to be faithful and to trust God, and they continued to, to steward their, their, their path with Jesus in a way that was honorable, even in the middle of not understanding why he wasn't showing up, even in the middle of having promises from him that were not being fulfilled, right? They were faithful. The Bible says that they were righteous, right? I'm going to pick it up in Luke 23, Luke 1, I'm sorry, Luke 1, verse 23. And we're going to read at the very end, we're going to focus in on Elizabeth for this message, okay? And it says, and it came about, maybe, when the days of his priestly service were ended, that's Zacharias, that he went back home. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. And she keeps saying, keep, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Okay, now we're going to pause for just a quick second. When I read that, I was kind of like, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me. That phrase in our culture isn't a positive one, right? Like, this is the way that God dealt with me. He beat me, or he made me wait my whole life, or whatever, right? Like, that's the phrase that we have. It never comes with something positive. That's not the way that the scripture is actually intending it to read. Look at these other different versions that pull this scripture out a little bit more. In the next one. There you go. Okay. In the Williams New Testament, it says, This is what the Lord has done for me when he smiled upon me to take away my disgrace among men. The message translation says, so this is how God acts to remedy my unfortunate condition. And then the Passion Translation says, she said with joy, see how kind it is of God to gaze upon me and take away the disgrace of my barrenness. And the 
NIV version says, The Lord has done this for me. In these days he has shown his favor and has taken away my disgrace among the people. Do you see how that kind of shifts the way, like this is what God's done to me. Like it's, it's literally like, look how beautiful, look how kind it is of God. Look at the kindness of God. Look at the beauty of God. Look at what he's done. Her rejoicing, it, it isn't a, yeah, this is how God dealt with me. It wasn't that. It wasn't that perspective of punishment that was in her mind as she was, as she was processing what God was doing. She was actually going, sitting back, and in awe, she was like, wow, look at his kindness over my life. He's redeemed me. Do you see how that, how that shifts the way that we read that sometimes? Okay, so she kept herself. When she became pregnant, she then decided to keep herself in seclusion for five months. All right? But in the entire time, go back to the scripture verse before it. What it says is, during that five months, she kept saying, this is what God's done for me. Okay, so she wasn't in that five months. It doesn't, it doesn't look like from what the scriptures say that she was in fear of losing this baby. She kept herself in seclusion because she was afraid. It doesn't say that. Instead, it shows awe and revere and reverence, right? So I would just challenge you this with the character like, that we see in Elizabeth. When we have God come in, he fulfills something in our life. We need to take time to revel in the beauty that he's done for us, right? When he comes in and he meets a promise in our life, we shouldn't just go, hey, thanks, and keep running through life. What she did was she stopped time. Do you know how hard it is to stop living for five months and just stay in your home, right? We all kind of did that at COVID, right? We all stayed not for, for different reasons, but we all kind of had to get stuck in our house for a long time. Five months is a long time. But she took that time, and I would say that she, that she really um, fasted her time with Jesus. And she took time to just really process what it was that God was doing in her life. Okay, so we think about this. We have a nine-month pregnancy for us ladies, right? So five of this she spends in her home. Then the sixth month comes, and she starts to step back out into life, right? And now she's showing some women aren't showing it one, two, three, and four months, but by six months, it's very clear something shift has shifted in her life, all right? Now we're going to skip the part where the angel shows up and comes, to, and comes to Mary, and we're going to pick back up at the very end of that, again, in, verse, in chapter 1, and this time we're going to read from 35 to 40, okay? And the angel answered and said to her, Mary... The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondservant of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now at this time... Mary arose and went with haste, that means she got up and she moved very quickly, to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth, okay? So let's just think about this for a second, okay? You have Elizabeth and Zacharias who are old. They've been serving the Lord their entire life with righteousness, right? She has wanted 
and has asked the Lord repeatedly because the Bible even says that their prayers have been heard before God, right? And so she has been now in her old age after waiting years and years and years and years and years and years and years to have a baby. She now is pregnant. She's spent five months in seclusion just sitting there. And look, what did they say about Mary? They pondered it in her heart. She was pondering. She was sitting there in just humility before the Lord of going, wow, look what you've done for five whole months. She's just now starting to step out into society again. And she's now showing her, her relatives and her friends, the people around her, that she's pregnant just by being pregnant, right? She's there. She's visible. So then enter Mary. Mary is this the scholars think that she was probably 13 or 14 years old. She's engaged, which means in our culture, it's a little bit different. We get engaged, and it's a, it's a promise that we make to each other, but it's not a covenant yet. In their culture, they already considered the man and wife, but she still lived at home with her parents, and he lived at his home. And then their, the final part of their marriage was when they actually moved in together, and that would usually take about a year. Okay, so she is somewhere between the ages of 13 and 15, and she is married, but she's not living with her husband yet. Okay? In, in our perspective, the way that we view it, it would be if they were to split, it was considered a divorce. It was not just a break in, in, in marriage or in a, in a promise. So it was considered a divorce. So here this, this young girl is. She is engaged to get married, and all of a sudden... An angel appears before her, and she accepts a life-changing encounter. Right? I, I really can't imagine, you know, but what she calls herself is a bond slave of the Lord. That's the term she used, I'm your bond slave. That means a willing servant that's somebody who has willingly chosen to be enslaved to somebody. What that means for her is that whatever it is that you want me to do, God, I'll do it. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I know whose I am, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes that you want me to do. Right? That's true Christianity. It's true Christianity is that we step into this place in our life. We don't, like I was saying earlier when we were praying this morning, it's like we're not, we're not just adding God in. We're actually flushing all of us out, and we're stepping in and saying whatever it is that you want me to do. So here you have this girl who is between 13 and 15 years old who loves the Lord so much that when he shows up, she says whatever it is. Now this girl knew the consequences for becoming pregnant before she's moved in with her husband and should be getting pregnant. She understood what those consequences were, right? She wasn't some naive, I can't imagine, somebody who didn't have a clue what happens when a girl gets pregnant outside of wedlock. She understood. So you have this young lady who has accepted a high call of God, one that's going to change her world, right? completely for the rest of her life. And she says yes to this, right? But at the potential of her death, because in that time, if she was found to be pregnant without a, without a husband, they could stone her to death. That was the custom, that was the culture, right? And so you have this young lady who has stepped into 
this place of yes to the Lord at the expense of my own life. I felt like, I felt like um, really the title of this message could even be that Christianity is not supposed to be easy. It's not meant to make our life easy. You know, we don't become a Christian and think, oh, now all of my life should be smooth again. You never see that in the Bible. You never see anybody say yes to God, and then all of a sudden all of the world just turns, and it becomes this beautiful thing for them. They actually stepped into really hard stuff. Elizabeth spent an entire life in really hard things. She was considered by many people in her culture probably as someone who had some secret sin. Her entire life, she was disgraced because she, out of everybody in the entire village, couldn't have a baby. Her entire life. Now she's old, right? And then there's Mary, who her goal was not to have a baby, right? (laughs) Like, at this moment in her life, this is her goal. She doesn't want one. And now their lives are colliding, okay? So what happens is, Elizabeth's here. She's just now started to come out. She's showing her family and the people around in her village are noticing God's done something. It actually says that the entire village becomes in awe of what God's doing. And then here with Mary, she has this encounter with God and God, like, and and the angel tells her, hey, your cousin Elizabeth, your relative Elizabeth is also pregnant in her old age. And Mary accepts the commissioning of God knowing that it's going to change everything in her world. And I'm assuming, I'm making the assumption that panic sets in a little bit. Okay, she says yes to God, and then maybe she goes home and tells her parents about this encounter that she had with God. Maybe, I don't know what she did, but what we do know is that she ran to Elizabeth. She left her home, and she ran to Elizabeth. And when you parallel Luke and you parallel it with Matthew, it does not appear that Joseph knows in the middle when she's gone that she's pregnant. So she gets pregnant, and with haste, that means really fast, she, you know, like, she's hurrying, she gets her stuff together, and she leaves. She flees her community, and she runs to her cousin, or her, I'm going to call her cousin, Elizabeth, okay? Now, you have this woman who has spent her entire life praying for a baby, and she finally has one. This is her time. This is her time. Right? She has waited for years. Let's just pretend she was 70 years old. She has waited for 65 years to have a baby. 55, I don't know. Don't don't do math with me. All right, a long time. Years, all right? She has waited for years to have a baby. This is her time to celebrate. She's been out in the community for one, two, maybe three weeks. And then all of a sudden, this other young girl who shouldn't even be pregnant shows up on her doorstep, probably incredibly excited, incredibly terrified, super, super full of joy, and, and like, oh my gosh, I had an encounter with an angel, and uh, my husband might actually have me killed, literally, right? Like, she has like both the high of, I just had an encounter with God, and the, I don't know what this means for my life, I might actually die soon, but God's going to have to do something, because he told me this was going to have to happen, but I don't know what this looks like, and my parents probably threw me and sent me out to see Elizabeth, right? Like, there was trauma and joy in the middle of this young girl's life, and she didn't know which way was up. 
Like, that's the reality of what's happening with Mary. Can you imagine? Like, she, she didn't just wear a halo, guys. I'm serious. She didn't. She didn't just walk around with a halo. She was a human. She, was a, she wasn't a character in a novel. She was a real person with all of the emotions that we feel. She wasn't... She was not born sinless. Contrary to other denominations and what they teach, she was not born sinless. She actually was righteous, but she was not born sinless. There's a difference. She had all of the emotions that we all carry. And she was in the middle. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You have this encounter with an angel. Something starts feeling really weird. You're probably starting to throw up. You don't know what weighs north anymore. And, and all you know is that your whole world just got shifted because you said yes to God. It didn't get easy for her, ever. It was never easy for Mary, right? And she runs to Elizabeth, who it's her time to celebrate, and here they collide. You see the character of Elizabeth so incredibly beautiful in this moment because Elizabeth's response to Mary was, wasn't one of, hey, this is my time to shine, girl. You know, like, I don't know what's going on with you. You're kind of a mess. You're like super happy, super, like, you're, you don't know if you should be laughing or crying, and you're doing both right in front of me. I don't know what to do with you. Instead, what happens is the Holy Spirit shows up in that moment. You know, they meet, and the Holy Spirit collides. You know, John the Baptist leaps inside of her because of Jesus, who is literally like an embryo inside of Mary. The presence of God in the embryonic state, the tiniest little person that you can ever imagine, had enough power to fill John the Baptist and Elizabeth all at once. And out of that, she just knew what was happening with Mary. She knew it was of God. And, and she becomes just overwhelmed, right? Elizabeth whose time it was to shine, who had waited her entire life, just got trumped by a little girl who never even prayed to get pregnant. Right? Years of waiting to get pregnant. Years. It was her time to shine. This little girl shows up, and her response was one of huge humility. It was one of being able to rejoice when somebody else was both rejoicing and afraid, right? Like, like, look at this response. This is verses 41 through 45, if you're following in your Bible. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, when she heard it, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What? A woman was filled with the Holy Spirit? No, no, I'm not joking, guys. This is serious. A woman was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a big deal. And she cried out. That means she begins to prophesy. A woman was prophesying, being filled with the Holy Spirit. She's prophesying. Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come and visit me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. 
And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Do you guys hear that? This, Elizabeth, it was her time to shine. She had waited her entire life. And the moment that somebody else showed up, she, she was able to rejoice with her. She didn't get mad at God and go, I've waited my whole life for this. I've waited my whole life. Why did you make me wait my whole life to get pregnant? And then you, she doesn't even wait. She's now like pregnant by you beforehand. She didn't sin. You just blessed her with that. Like She didn't get angry at God. She didn't say, why me? She didn't go, why is she outshining me? What, what's happening? Do you see her character? Her humility is amazing. Man, it makes me want to shift the way that I live, right? Like, that humility is just so incredible that she's able to look at Mary and to go, wow, like, let's rejoice with you. Let's rejoice with you. Galatians 4 says, it's verse 4, it says, When the fullness of time came, God sent his Son. That means that God was planning. Like, you see the sovereignty of God so beautifully in this scripture, in these passages, because it was the fullness of time. It was the perfection of time. That's what it means. So Elizabeth had to wait all of those years for that moment. Mary had to have her time sped up so that the fullness of exactly the right time, with exactly the right circumstances, God could come in and his will could be done in the earth. Do you see that? Like, what does that mean for us when we're thinking about the promises that we've been waiting for, the the things that we've been praying for, and we're sitting there going, God, I'm getting old, right? Like, God, like, you've, you've made promises. Why aren't you showing them? Why aren't you showing up with them? Like, I'm good, by, by the time you do, I'm going to be so old, I can't enjoy it anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but we need to remember that, that there's a timing of God. And he's orchestrating so many different things. And it wasn't that he didn't love Elizabeth. It was that he was saving her. Yeah. Right? He was protecting her that entire time. She didn't necessarily feel always protected especially when she would show up with her water pots to fill up her water pots. And people would say, Elizabeth, are you pregnant yet? Elizabeth, you better be hurrying on that. You're getting old. Elizabeth, your time's running out. Oh, you, you must have some hidden sin in your life. What are you doing about that? You should probably go and repent at the temple, Elizabeth. There's something wrong with you, Elizabeth. Every day she shows up to fill up her water pots because they didn't have running water back in those times, Right? And she goes and she fills it up to the, to the shame of herself. Like People are shaming her the entire time, every single day. But God was saving her. God was saving her because he needed the first fruits of her womb to be John. And so he was waiting and he was protecting her and he was caring for her. And she was submitting her heart and her life to him every single day. And she was trusting him. And why do I say that? Because you see what that's what the Bible says about her, right? The Bible says that she was righteous before him, that she had served him her whole life. 
And you just see her constantly lay down her will, lay down her life, and just say, God, you have promises for me, and I'm going to just trust you. And then the fullness of time comes, and she collides with, with the mother of her Lord in this beautiful interaction. And not only that, Mary stayed with her for three entire months. Can you imagine their conversations? Like, you know, like, think through that. Like, these they were real people. They weren't just characters that we read where we know the end of the story. Mary knows that when she leaves Elizabeth's house, she's going to have to go and make a confession to Joseph, and she doesn't know what that's going to look like. She doesn't know if he's going to have her stoned to death. She doesn't know if he's going to put her away quietly, put her away loudly. She doesn't know what the next step is going to be. God didn't tell her that. He didn't tell her what the next, oh, don't worry, I'm going to take care of Joseph too. By the way, he never actually showed up to Joseph until after he found out. Joseph is blissfully unaware that his wife is pregnant. Right? So Elizabeth and Mary are here. But Mary's, think about this, the life of Mary, of having a, a promise paused in waiting, a promise in waiting happening her entire life, what she learned, the character she developed, the, the, the trust in God that she developed, she got to sow into Mary's life for three entire months. Mary was going to need that. Mary was going to need that because what happens in, when she leaves Elizabeth's house in three months, she has to go home and tell the worst news to her future husband that anybody ever has to tell anybody. I'm pregnant and that baby's clearly not yours. Right? I make that sound, I don't mean that to sound bad. That's the truth of it. Right? And let me tell you this really crazy story that goes along with it. So I'm sitting there one day, and all of a sudden this man shows up, and he's an angel. And he tells me this, and I say yes to it, and now I haven't had my period for three months. Guys, there's no way that she didn't sound crazy in that moment. Right? She's just trying to get out of her pregnancy or out of her marriage. She's just like, what's happening in this girl's life? Is she crazy? Am I getting ready to marry a crazy lady? Like, what's actually happening, right? She's sitting there with Elizabeth, and you know that she's got all of these emotions running through her. She's like, she knows that God has done something miraculous. And you, I'm not going to actually read her prophecy, like, because she was also filled with the Spirit, and she also prophesies. And she says, you know, from this day on, everybody in the world is going to consider me blessed. That didn't really happen until after she died. It really, I should say after, till after Jesus died. They didn't consider her blessed. They remembered who she was, the woman who was pregnant before she got married to Joseph. That's who they remembered. That's who her village remembered, right? She bore that her whole life until after Jesus died, and the, and the disciples in her own little new church community loved her and knew who she was and, and knew the truth. But the entire rest of the time, she was not surrounded by people who believed her story. You know, so this woman is sitting, this little girl, I call her a little girl, she's 15. She's sitting there with this woman who has walked through trial after trial and month after month of disappointment and pain and promises that don't seem to be being delivered. And she has felt the shame of other women around her. She has walked through not the same thing, but something similar enough that she is actually, from her position of advanced in years, is able to give wisdom and love and care and comfort 
to this young woman who is about ready to step into the craziest time of her life, right? And so you have this moment of three months where they, come, they collide and they sit there and they, they talk together and they build each other up and they encourage each other in the faith. You guys, Mary needed this. What's going to happen? She's going to go home to Joseph and she's going to explain to him what happens we do know the story. Joseph hears from God. He has a vision. He actually goes to sleep, and an angel shows up and talks to him in his dream. He knew enough to believe the dream, and he chooses to marry her. She has a baby, and then immediately they have to flee in the middle of the night to another country to save this child's life. You're talking the next, I don't know how many years exactly it is, but probably seven years of trauma. She literally says yes to the Lord and enters into a season of seven years plus. I mean, then Jesus gets, you know, she gets to watch him die and she gets to, right? Like, you're talking a lifetime of running from the authorities, being afraid that her baby's going to be killed all the time. She's always worried. Like, can you imagine, like, if you leave the country because your child's life is in danger, then they come back and they had moved to another community because he still might die? Like, as a mom, you're not ever going to not be watching for the life of your child. She literally had, she lived a life that was traumatic. Those three months of a woman who had understood where she came from was critical to Mary's life, I personally believe. Because she had a woman who was able to walk through grief, able to walk through pain, able to walk through sorrow every single month of her entire life. And then she gets to pour out that wisdom and the encouragement and the blessing over this young girl who's getting ready to walk into a a lifetime of the same pain. It looks different for Mary than it did for Elizabeth. But pain is the same thing. Disgrace, trauma, all those things. I'm not saying that God made her walk through this stuff. What I am saying is God used Elizabeth's life. And Elizabeth allowed her character to be developed in a way that when it was her time to shine and somebody came in and was outshining her because obviously the son of God lived in Mary and she had the forerunner, right? Like, so there's a little bit of a difference here. She was able to go, I'm so excited for you. And she stepped into the joy with Mary and she stabilized Mary's emotions. And she brought strength to her and she spoke life into her and they loved her so that when Mary went back, she was able to hold up herself She was able then to flee and live in Egypt for years by herself with just her husband and her baby and be okay. And then when they moved back, she could trust God because she had seen something in Elizabeth's life. I really believe that that, those three months were huge for Mary's life, but it was because of the character of Elizabeth, her character that was able to pour character into Mary. And you get to see Mary then step into the woman that God's called her to be. You know, it's a really incredible picture. When you look at this, I would really encourage us to kind of say this. What's, what's our character? Like we're, every single one of us is facing something. We're all walking through some trauma, some, some crisis, some problem that we're trying to solve. There's some issue that we have in our life, and maybe it's been ongoing for a long time. Are we submitting our character to the Lord to be developed, to be grown, to be challenged, to be sifted, to be shifted 
in such a way that we actually are learning from these things and that we can pour them into other people? Are we growing in wisdom as we're walking through these things? Because we're not supposed to, be, to get saved and then to just pray, okay, God, now that I'm saved, would you please just make everything perfect in my world? Can you give me the really nice house and the really nice spouse? And can you make sure that our relationship's amazing and our children, they're just perfect little kids and they're always dressed exactly like I want them to be and they act like I want them to and they talk like I want them to and they have friends like I want them to have friends. Can you just make my life perfect, please? Because now I'm a Christian, right? It's... It's not what you see. These were messy people with messy lives. They walked through mess, right? Like they had to clean up problems. They had to deal with people who were evil. They had to walk through trauma. Like every single situation that they encountered, it was never perfect, right? Every single one of the disciples who followed Jesus gave their life. And we glorify that now, but man, I'm telling you, it was hard in the middle. Peter had a wife and children. He was murdered, right? His wife, Jesus, his mom sat there and watched him die. Like as parents, can you imagine? They, they actually have statistics, like it, there's um, proof that, that when you are pregnant with a child, you actually carry part of their DNA inside. A woman carries their DNA inside of us for the rest of our life. It's actually part of us. Right? When we feel our kids, we can feel them. Right? Can you imagine Mary? She's watching her baby get killed. Like she had a lifetime of trauma, like legit trauma. Right? But she would sit there and she would take the stuff that she would see the beauty of God and she would go she would take it and she would ponder it in her heart. It's kind of like Elizabeth did for five months. She pondered it inside her house. She just, she just pulled in the beauty and the goodness of God and was like, okay, this is who you are. This, you're so good. You're so kind to me. Like, look at what you've done for me. That's what Elizabeth did. And then you see that happen time and time again with Mary. She learned something from Elizabeth that we need to learn from Elizabeth that we need to take and we need to begin to adjust our character to go, instead of praying, God, can you just stop the storm? Can you just stop the storm? Just pray, God, can you give me the character to walk through the storm with integrity? Can you give me the character to walk through the storm and to see other people in a storm and to meet their needs, to meet them where they're at, to be able to get excited for them when their blessing overshadows mine? Can you give me the ability as I'm walking through this storm to then be able to see that person who has a need and to begin to meet that need? You see, like that was who Elizabeth became. That's the person we see in just like five verses. I would love to have heard her actual her whole story. I had these questions posed. What would have happened if Elizabeth had given up in the middle? If in the middle of trying for years to have a baby, and finally she was just like, you know what, we're done. God's not showing up. Maybe I do have some sin. I'm done. I quit. What would have happened to Mary? What would have happened? What would have happened to John the Baptist? Like, she had free will, guys. She wasn't a robot. She wasn't a fictitional character. She was a human who had the choice every single day when she woke up to choose to step into the promises and to believe them for who they were, for what they were, 
or not? What would have happened had, had Elizabeth, when Mary showed up, Elizabeth was like, look here, hun. This is my time to shine. You know, you can come in and serve me, but we're not going to be talking all about you and your stuff. I have waited my entire life, so just as if you haven't even waited five minutes. Right? Like, sometimes we get like that. We've waited, we've waited for years, and then somebody else has something amazing happen, and we're like, really? It's better than mine? Are you kidding? Right? But think about her character. Like, she, she did have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. But I don't want to maximize on that because she had free will. And here's the other thing. Are we also so full of God, so full of the love of God, that when we encounter somebody who's having this amazing blessing happen in their life and they're like happy crying because there's this amazing blessing, but they're terrified because the ramifications of that blessing are going to affect people, right? That's, she, the girl, was a, she had to have been a mess, okay? She was human. And she was like, an angel showed up and it's amazing and I'm pregnant with a savior. And she's like, and my husband might kill me and I might go home and my parents might kick me out and I don't know if I'm going to live another, like, am I going to even live long enough to have this baby? Am I going to be stranded out homeless, right? Like these are real things that she had to figure out. And Elizabeth's character was able to go, honey, I got you. Like God showed me what happened with you and we're going to walk through this together. And she prophesied over her. Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Are we listening to him enough that when somebody is a mess in both the goodness and the, the rough part of life, that we're able to lean into heaven and to go here, here's a word for you. Here's a word for you. Right? Because when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside of us, right? We hear him, we can feel him, he's teaching us, he's talking to us. When he's talking to us, for us, he's also talking to us for other people. If we can lean back into what he's saying and we can have a word in the moment. Elizabeth had a word in the moment from the Holy Spirit. It's a character thing. She actually trusted the Holy Spirit who had just come upon her, right, and filled her. She trusted him enough to be able to speak out what God was saying. And it shifted something for Mary. I think those words were the words that Mary needed to hear. She needed to hear somebody look at her and say, you're not crazy, I know. I know. I know that an angel just visited you. I know that you're carrying the Savior of the world. I know you're carrying the Messiah. She needed to hear it because she was probably from the time that she left her home to the time she got to Elizabeth because it was a journey she was probably wondering what in the world just happened and if she was crazy. Because if she told her parents, told anybody else, they were thinking that she was crazy. She needed to hear the truth. Sometimes we need to hear the truth. Sometimes we are so mixed up with the swirl of life, we need somebody to look at us and to grab our face and to go, God's in this. He's got you. It's the fullness of time. You're waiting for the fullness of time. You're going to be okay. He has promises over you. Right? So I want to encourage you guys today, when we read through this story, don't, like, don't let Christmas just become Christmas. Read through the story. Talk to it with your kids. Go through it, and don't just read it because we know the end and think, oh, my, everything was just beautiful. No, look at the raw, and look at how the raw affects our life, and be challenged. Allow yourself to be challenged by the Holy Spirit in your character development, Right? Like to, to be able to go, how do I need to adjust in the way that I think, in the way that I feel, in the way that I'm responding to the people around me? You know, because, because that's what the Bible, the Bible isn't just written to us with a bunch of stories that we're supposed to remember. 
right? They're written to us to change our lives. There's truth in there that God is putting into us, that he's wanting to develop in us. And I never see in the Bible evidence of God just changing our character like that. Character development. You see miracles. You see people getting healed like that. You see people getting you know, raised from the dead in an instant. You see those things. You don't see character development happen in a miracle. Character development is something that we do on a day-to-day basis when we decide to say, God, you're trustworthy. God, I choose to trust you in the middle of circumstances that I don't understand. God, I choose to trust you even when it feels like the whole storm is going to kill me. Like, remember the disciples in the boat? They were fishermen. They knew how to be on a boat. They knew what danger was. They knew what danger wasn't, right? They weren't people like me who've lived in the middle of the country for their entire life and never really have been out on a boat, right? Like, they understood what a hurricane-like thing was on the the ocean, and they felt like they were going to die. And Jesus had said, you're going to make it to the other side, right? There's that perspective of they're in the middle of the storm, How do you respond? This is why Jesus rebuked them. You just saw me feed a whole bunch of people. Miracle. A miracle happened. Why didn't you expect to trust me that I said you're going to go to the other side, that you're going to get to the other side, right? He didn't, a lot of times, like he didn't plan to actually stop the storm for them. Do you guys get that? It says in, in one of the scriptures, it says that Jesus was planning to pass them by. Their storm is raging. They think they're dying and Jesus is walking by them. Why? Because he told them they were going to get to the other side. They should have been fine. They were going to get to the other side. He wasn't going to let them die. You know what I mean? That's what Mary, like Mary's life was like that. It was one big storm that maybe she even lost Jesus. That's a storm, right? Like, you know, her 12-year-old son just disappears for days. Like, that's a storm, right? Like, I just lost God. How do I explain that to him, right? Like, that's a problem. And, you know, but Mary's light, like, she might have had from the ages of, like, 13, because it certainly didn't happen at 12, to, like, 25, where there wasn't a storm happening in her world, maybe. I don't know. Joseph seemed to have died somewhere in the middle. That was probably a storm, right? Like, there's this her life was one of storms. Elizabeth's life was one of storms that they just kept stepping through and they kept letting God come in and adjust their character time and time again. And when things would happen that were beautiful and that they were promises of God, they would take them and they would let them come in, like they would let them sink into their heart in a way that transformed their heart. It didn't harden them. And then their character got developed and sharpened and changed and tweaked and grown, Right? And they became a person that we all look back at and we can go, wow, blessed are you among women, Mary. Right? Her prophecy came true. Mary's prophecy of blessed are you among women. They're going to call me blessed from now until, until the end of the world, right? But that prophecy came through because Mary was one who allowed the storms of life to grow her and to develop her and to, and to shift her into the person that God had wanted her to be. Right? And her character overflowed. And now we can look back at her and count her blessed because of her right ways before God. Because every single day in the middle of the storm, she was like, I trust you. I trust you. You just told my husband we need to flee the country. I trust you. 
I'm going to go to a land I don't know, and I'm going to sit there with people I don't understand. They can't speak my language. I don't speak their language, and it's chaos in Egypt, and I want to be back home, and I want to be with my family, and I trust you, and I trust you. And then when Joseph has another dream, and he's like, yep, it's time to go back, and she's like, they're going to kill our baby. And he's like, no, I had a dream. Okay, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust my husband and his dreams, and I'm going to just walk with you. I didn't have an angel visit me to tell me that. Can you imagine as a mom, I just have to rely on my husband's dream to take me back to a country that tried to kill my child? Like, she had to learn to trust him, and her character was developed every single time. All of us are walking through these trials, right? And every single one of us have these opportunities to grow in patience and faith and hope and long-suffering, right? And we have these, we have these opportunities to go, okay, God, I trust you. I don't understand what's happening. But your promise is yes and amen, and so I'm waiting for the fullness of time to come. And so I trust you every single day in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the swirl. I trust you. You're good, and you're righteous, and you're faithful, and you're truthful, and you're trustworthy, and I can stand on your promises. And I don't have to worry about the swirl of the attacks of the voices that say, you must be in a lifestyle of sin, or this promise would have come through. God, I can just say, I trust you. And I'm walking before you in the way that I know how to, in as much purity as I know how to. And I'm walking through you, and I'm allowing my character to be developed right? That's what it looks like to be a bond slave of God. As our life is laid down and we step into, I have a slide that says this, it says Mary's, Mary's yes to God brought severe and lifetime consequences. Mary's yes to God brought severe and lifetime consequences. We can't promise in the kingdom of God, that everything is going to be sunshine and roses, right? Because if we had sunshine 365 days a year and it's 75 degrees, we're all going to be pretty happy, except for the fact that we're going to be in a massive drought and we won't have roses anymore because we'll have no water, right? We have to walk through the storms because the storms are what brings life and it creates beauty, right? Their life was beautiful, not because it was perfect, but because they walked through it with God. You know, Mary's yes sent her into a lifetime of severe consequences, and yet her life was beautiful because she trusted God and because she walked with him. Are we doing that? Are we allowing our character to get developed in the middle of the storms, or are we praying just that God would ease us out of them real quick? When we get always pulled out of a storm, we never grow. If we walk through the storm with him and we ask him, okay, what are you developing in me right now in this? In the middle of my storm, what do I need to learn from this storm right now? And then we begin to go, and who do you want me to give that away to as I'm learning it? Right? It should always be a funnel. It comes into me and it goes out of me, directed. So as I'm learning something from God, I should be also teaching it to other people around me. Right? That's what Elizabeth did. As she was learning stuff from God, she was pouring it back out into Mary. That's what our life should look like. You know, are we allowing our character to be developed? Are we stepping into looking at these scriptures going, God, would you make me like Elizabeth? Would you make me like Mary? Would you let me walk through the storms of life with grace and with honor and with dignity and with righteousness and purity of heart? And then repenting when we find ourselves falling off. 
and getting back up and going, no, I can do it. If they can do it, I can do it because there's not something special on them that can't be on me. If they had the Holy Spirit, we have him too, right? We actually have him living inside of us. He didn't have to come on us. It's a whole different thing. We actually have it easier, okay? All right, Jesus, would you help us to have our character developed like what we see in, in these people's lives, God, who walked through trauma and storms and pain and grief and agony and um, betrayal. Yeah. People accusing us of things that we didn't do, God. Being innocent and yet looked at as sinners. God, all these different things, these, these people endured, and they endured it with righteousness and with integrity and with character and honor. God, would you help us to become like that? And God, we just, I would just take a minute, like I would just ask you guys to just ask him to show you something that you need to repent of, which is to begin to change the way that you think. Any place of um, entitlement, I'm owed this. God, would you break that off of us right now in Jesus' name? Would you let us step into a willingness to be bond slaves to you, God, where we would say, we're not adding you to our life so that you can come in and make it easier and better, Jesus. Instead, we're laying down our life and we're stepping into a season where we're willing to, make, to take severe and la- lifetime-lasting consequences for our faith in you. Where we're willing to step into true, full, 100% abandoned obedience at the risk of everything else around us, God. Would you develop our character, Jesus? Would you help us to renew our mind so that we can walk and we can hold up the call that you have on our life, God, with character and with integrity? And would you also begin to show us who we need to pour it out to? Everything that we've been learning, God, would you show us who needs to hear it from us, who needs those those months of us pouring into their life, God? Would you begin to show us who it is that we get to pour all of the wisdom and knowledge that we've been gaining from you into them? God, I just pray that this season, as we read through the story of your coming into the world, God, that you would let us begin to have our character developed in a way that shifts us for the rest of our life. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.